You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, visit swiftlysocial.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and I'm super, super excited to have Lauren Golden here today. Lauren is the founder of the Free Mama Movement, and she and I met through my connections with Fim City. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about what you do and about the Free Mama Movement. Absolutely. So I am uh, I'm a mom first and foremost. I have three kids um, and they were kind of the, the inspiration for me behind starting to work for myself, really. It was around the time that my second, my son was born that I was like, this whole nine to five thing, it's just not working for me anymore. Um, I just, I felt that tug and pull where I wasn't doing my best at work. I wasn't being the mom I wanted to be. And, and kind of enough was enough. And I'd always had an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, growing up, I worked and started businesses and did all these things. And so I figured the best way for me to, to kind of be the person I wanted to be really was to start freelancing for myself. Um, I started in marketing, a lot of social media management. Um, and then something really cool happened. Uh, I started making more money freelancing, like with a baby on my lap at home, just a few hours a day than I did in my previous nine to five job. And yeah. that was really awesome. And then something else really cool happened where other moms started approaching me and asking how I did it. And so the free mama movement is, is just that. It is a movement where um, I teach other moms who kind of feel that pull between their family and their financial you know, stability. And I teach them how to build a freelancing business from home so that they can utilize you know, their God-given talents to, to make money on their own terms and, and show up still as the parent that they want to be. That's incredible. And that's so needed because I feel like a lot of moms that I don't, that I come in contact with. So I don't have kids, but most of my friends do. And there's always that struggle between like, I want to be home with my child, but I have to work to pay the bills. And they kind of think about doing something else, but they're just so scared because it is very overwhelming. So yeah, that's incredible what you're doing. And I think it's very, very needed for moms who want to be entrepreneurs, but also be home with their kids. Yeah, I, you know, one of my biggest roadblocks early on when, when I first started kind of my, my personal free mama journey and, and thinking about quitting my nine to five was that I assumed, and, and I'll be upfront, I'm a millennial. I'm an old millennial, but I'm a millennial. How, and how old are you? Me, we were told we were special, right? We were told yeah. we were unique and we could do anything. So I have all these complexes going on my head. And I really kind of thought that to be a business owner or to be successful, that you had to be the only person doing something. Mm, yes. so for a long time, I was held back by this idea that like, I'd get a great idea and I'd start researching and find out someone else was already doing it. And all of a sudden, like, it was like someone squashed on my dreams. And it's so funny now because I have a complete 180 perspective on business. Um, you know, I've, I've grown into it. And, and now I have the perspective of if no one else is doing it, it might be because no one's going to buy it, right? Yeah. But when I first started, I thought I had to have, like, you know, I had to have, like, an inventor idea or a Shark Tank idea or, like, something that was so new. And until I had that idea... I just had to stay at my job because my family relied on two incomes. And I just, I, I kind of convinced myself that was my reality. And as I work with women, I realized that a lot of people have kind of that same complex. And so it's really nice to just introduce a new way of thinking about business really being more service oriented and that there truly are people out there that need your help, whatever it is. Maybe you're just answering emails for them. Maybe you're just managing their calendar and do, doing basic admin things. But if you enjoy that and you're good at that and you can do that, 
while, you know, nursing your baby in your living room and, and make money and, and kind of, you know, live life on your own terms, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, I find it extremely empowering. And so, you know, I kind of went through this little journey and it's really cool now to take other people through it as well. It's so true. You just gotta, gotta stop that fear before it starts and just kind of go for it. Absolutely. Fear is super powerful. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So how do you deal with that fear and that comparisonitis of everybody's doing this? Am I doing it as well? Or does anybody want to work with me? Like, how do you get past that? Yeah. So, um, it's really interesting. Uh, I kind of have two different experiences for me, for myself, when I started freelancing, it just came down and it sounds so cliche, but it came down to like my why, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be home with my kids. And at the end of the day, I had to like, kind of get a smack in the face of like, no one else is going to do this for me. It's not just going to magically happen where one day I wake up and you know, it's happened, right? You have to get uncomfortable. That's kind of, that's my word right now is uncomfortable. Like mm. if, it, if, if, if business were easy, if, if life were easy, right? Everybody would already be doing it the glamorous way. But the reason that there are fewer successful people out there is because it is uncomfortable and it is hard and we have to be willing to kind of blast through the fear. It's not that successful people don't still have fear. It's that they choose to do it anyway. Um, and so I'll, I'll tell you just a little quick, quick story about how I actually quit my job <laughs> is, uh, because I'm a planner. So I'm very, oh, me too. Me too. Yes, I'm very type A. I'm a planner. I like to have plans. And, um, at the time that I started freelancing, I was still at my job. Um, I had a little overlap there. So I was, you know, building up my business, trying to get some side income, like a lot of people do. And, and I really recommend, especially if financially you're, you're relying on your income. And, um, I was going to give myself a year, right? A year sounds like a long time. It's not that scary to like say, Oh, a year from now I'm going to do this thing. Right. Um, so I, I, I know in my mind I was playing it safe, but in my mind it was like, it's a plan. Like a year from now I'm going to quit my job. And, um, about three months after I had that conversation with my husband, we found out we were pregnant. And that was not a part of my year plan, Melody. I'll just tell you. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. That was not a part of my year plan. So what do, what do us planners do? We replan, right? Like we, okay, so pregnancy is about nine months. Like, you know, uh, maybe I just won't go back from maternity leave or, you know, whatever it is. And I started replanning. And it was at about my 12-week appointment. And, and this this was my third pregnancy. So my husband did not go to appointments. Like this was not... <laughs> This was not like, you know, he went to like the first couple with my, with my daughter, with my oldest, but when you're pregnant, you live at the OBGYN. So he never went with me. And by the grace of God, he happened to be at that 12 week appointment with me. And we found out that there was no heartbeat. This was in September, 2015. We found out there was no heartbeat. We had no idea. I had no symptoms, no signs, no nothing. And it was to say it was a low point is a massive understatement. Mm. Um, it just felt like a smack in the face and whatever you believe in, you know, whether it's God or the universe or whatever, I, I, or maybe I'm crazy, but I, in that moment, I actually heard a voice in my head that said, what are you going to do now? What's your plan now planner? What's your plan? And mm-hmm. I, I walked in one week later and quit my job. Wow. So it was that, definitely- That just gave me chills. Yeah, it was. And I can talk about it a lot more gracefully now than I could, you know, even a year ago, especially oh, now, yeah. two years ago. But, and, and it, it still hurts. It really does. It's anybody who's had loss. And um, I've always been very open about it, which I think more women are starting to talk about it, but miscarriage is so unbelievably common. And I didn't know that until I experienced it. Hmm. And, um, I was always really open about it because for me, I found it very like cathartic to talk about it, even though I, oftentimes I knew I was making other people uncomfortable, but it helped me to heal, to talk about it. Um, but now the reason I can look back on it and, I, I just look at the experience so differently is I think that was something that I had to go through in my life as a wake up call. Mm-hmm. Like it really was this moment of like, 
you are living this life where you're miserable and you're in the car three hours a day and your kids are in childcare and your husband were, my husband's also an entrepreneur by the way. So he was running a business. We had a six figure SBA loan at the time. You know, the family was on my benefits. There was a lot of pressure going on for me and I was miserable. I resented my husband that he got to go chase his dreams and I had to be at a job I didn't like and not raise my baby. I mean, there was just a lot going on. And I'm able to look back now though. And I, I heard that voice that, what are you going to do now? And there was just this major life shift for me of, I'm going to start living the way I want to be living. Right. Yeah. So for me, that, that was how I first started getting over the fear or again, not getting over it. Cause it's not that it wasn't scary. So I don't want to act like it, it wasn't still fear. That's how I first started choosing to do it anyway, is how I'll say it. Mm. I, I just decided in that moment, like it's, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do what I want. So how do you juggle your kids and running with these businesses? Yeah. So I, um, like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit type A. I'm a little <laughs> control free. So without getting into too many like systems and processes, although we totally could, um, I am a crazy time blocker. Um, so if, if anybody out there is looking for time management advice, I, I really recommend time blocking. Um, I personally use Google calendar. I've got it color coordinated. You would just die if you saw it truly. Um, but I block out everything. I block out the time that I work on the free mama I block out my client time and I block out family time. And the key, I think, to being successful and, and achieving, you know, we, we kind of joke that is, is like work-life balance attainable, but I think the key to being successful with it and with time blocking in general is by honoring the boundaries that you set. You have to mm -hmm. set boundaries, but then you have to honor them. And it really goes both ways. Um, and I will say, because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing now with, with helping other moms through the free, the free mama. Um, I, I really now struggle the other way where I'll be with my kids and I'll hear my phone go off and I have to, it takes self-control to not go check it because I want to know what's going on, you know, mm -hmm. goes both ways. And, and I think anybody who's listening, who's a parent, you know, our kids pick up on that too. So it's, it's not always easy but it, it, it truly is simple to kind of architect your, your life on a daily basis in a way that you're giving everything, you know, as much as they need. Yeah. So do you have any sort of morning routine or anything that kind of helps you get going? I know it's probably just madness trying to get kids ready and all that, but beyond that, like, do you journal? Do you meditate? Do you like, what helps you kind of start your day on the right foot? Um, I will say communication with my spouse and, and actually our mornings really aren't that hectic. So I'm oh, good. Really <laughs> to any moms who are listening, who are, you know, like putting their fists up, listening to this right now and they want to pop me in the nose, but our mornings really aren't that hectic. And um, I would say we're fairly strict parents. So my kiddos are six, four, and one, and the six and the four-year-olds get themselves dressed. Wow. They, they get completely ready. They know they've got to be dressed before they come downstairs. I'm not saying that there's not some involvement sometimes. Like today, my son came downstairs in essentially a sweatshirt, and we live in outside of Houston, Texas, and it's going to be 90 degrees. So that's <laughs> So sometimes there's some parenting involved, of course, but for the most part, you know, they, they like what they want to wear anyway. So I'm not going to be able to influence them much regardless, except for temperature. Um, so they come downstairs dressed and ready to go. Um, my husband and I, it's a funny story. So early in our marriage, before we had kids, um, I used to get up like an hour and a half before my husband, right? As a woman, I just, I took longer to get ready. I had to blow dry my long hair. Um, and then I would pack our lunches for work. I would make breakfast. And then my husband would roll out of bed and hop in the shower for two minutes and eat and grab his lunch and go. And I had, and this, I'm talking like our first month of marriage, you guys, this, <laughs> this was early on. This was almost a decade ago. And I was like, this is not going to work. Like this is not, this is not that whole partnership thing I signed up for. And so I actually remember having a conversation with 
my husband, like in that first month of marriage where I was like, you know, it would really help both of us get the same amount of sleep and get out the door on time. If you could make breakfast in the morning, that's all I asked him to do seriously about a decade ago. And my husband to this day still wakes up every morning and makes breakfast for our whole family. And it, it is, it is, and I am spoiled because my husband, um, is from Oklahoma. He likes a good Southern breakfast. Um, I'm talking like waffles, grits, bacon, eggs. So I am spoiled too, because I would have been a cereal mom for sure. Um, and so honestly, it's, it's the collaboration with my spouse, I think is what makes the morning smooth. And my kids also have chores in the morning, the older two, they unload the dishwasher from the night before they take out the recycling. Um, my daughter, my six year old actually helps pack her lunch. Now, part of that is that she is fiercely independent and opinionated like her mom. (laughs) So she, she wants to be involved, but I think a lot of times as parents, we assume that our children can't do something or that we have to do it for them. And a lot of times I just really challenge people to ask themselves if that's really true. Um, because I think that, you know, I, I, we do want our children to be independent and we want them to, you know, have responsibilities around the house. That's, that's just part of our parenting style. But also I think that's why our mornings are not chaotic. They're not, I mean, everybody knows what they have to do to get out the door on time and it happens every day. So it's actually pretty smooth, but a lot of communication (laughs) between me and my husband way back in the day, um, definitely helped that. Um, and as for me, I, I, I don't recommend this. Um, I really don't, but I do it. So I'm a big hypocrite if I'm being honest. But um, I do check my email in bed before I even get out. So my husband's already out of bed. He is off making breakfast. Um, Because now that I work from home, I don't have that whole long shower routine in the morning anymore. I just roll out and put on my yoga pants and walk my daughter to kindergarten, which is great. But um, I do, I like to check my email in the morning. And the reason why is because um, I also go through the news. And so that's like the, I don't really watch a lot of TV. And so it's just kind of my one 10 minute period in the morning where I can feel caught up. I know what's going on. I know what's on my calendar. Um, I know what's going on in the world. And I'm like ready to go. Cause once I hit the kitchen, there's no time for that. Like it's full on mom mode. So yeah. that's kind of a part of my routine in that regard. Yeah, that's good. I don't know how you can do that. I, with <laughs> emails and the, all that, like, I purposefully have started turning my phone off at like 9 p.m. So I'm not tempted to just, you know, mindlessly play on my phone. I put it in another room. And so when I get up in the morning, I have to go in the other room and get it and turn it on to look at it. So I don't immediately start reading emails, look at my calendar. And that's what I would recommend that people do. (laughs) I am a hypocrite in this regard, but for me, it's, um, I know that if I, if I didn't do that, if I didn't spend that 10 minutes by myself, I would be tempted to do it when I'm with my kids. And so for me, that's the compromise, right? Being able to balance, you know, being the mom I want to be and still feeling like I get it all done in my business. I have to have that division, that separation. So, um, I think you're doing it right. I think you're way smarter than I am, <laughs> but for me, it's what works. So well- it's- my routine. I'll be honest, I didn't always do that either. Like, I just recently took uh, email notifications off my phone, so I wasn't constantly being like, oh, a client emailed me at 10 o'clock at night, I should respond to that right away. No. I tell my clients that you have from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. to message me, and if you message me after that, I'm going to get back to you the next day. Um, but I, when I first started freelancing and all that, I was in such a hustle mode that I like had to constantly be in contact. Mm -hmm. I would just ignore my husband and just message, 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 just totally zone out and work on stuff. And that's just not fair to a relationship. It's not like when I'm done with work, I want to be fully present. Totally. I agree. And in that regard, we are this, we're very similar. I, I, um, I actually, again, I time block that. So with emails, I don't even, I don't leave my email open all day. I don't have any notifications to my phone except for Facebook messenger. And the only reason I have that is because I do have a few clients who communicate that way, which for me is not ideal, but it, it, it's their preferred method. So, so I do make myself available that way, but 
I, I try only to open my email twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. And if it doesn't get caught during that time, it gets put off till the next day. And again, I think that goes back to um, setting boundaries, but then you also have to honor them, right? You have to follow through with them. It's not enough just to say, well, I only check my email from whatever, whatever, right? And telling your client that, but then you actually have to only do that. And that's where the self-control comes in. Mm. And I think in today's age with cell phones and um, technology and social media, you know, we, we appear to be so available. And so it does take that self-control to not lose ourselves in it. Absolutely. Yeah. I need to start doing the twice a day thing. I just leave it open, which is terrible. But again, it's like, I want to be responsive and that's just a boundary that I need to work on. <laughs> totally. Food for thought. Food for thought, Melody. Twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> that's just so hard. Like um, It is hard. It's super hard. But I think um, I, I'm a lot like you. I, you know, I'm a people pleaser and I want, I like to provide that instant gratification. Um, and, and I will say in my freelancing business, I definitely did that for years. Um, but now with the free mama movement, um, it's grown so rapidly, which is amazing. And I'm so proud of it, but I'm now fielding hundreds of emails a day and it's just not possible. And so a lot of this kind of self-control that I'm preaching, it's new. Um, and it's because it came out of necessity. Uh, I, I could truly sit and answer Facebook posts in my group and emails all day long, honestly. Um, and so it just came out of necessity. And I mean, I've already called myself out as being a hypocrite for checking email in bed, but um, it would be hypocritical for what I'm teaching these women about balance and, and being home with their kids and running a business if, if I didn't also set those boundaries for myself with them. And it's hard. It's hard because I want to be accessible, but um, it, it goes against what I'm teaching them. So for the most part, they respect it and they get it. And if I'm sick, I'll tell the, I, cause I have some, I have, uh, some private coaching clients and group coaching clients and, and we have our own little Facebook group and, and I'll go in and tell them, I'll be like, I'm sick today. I'm not going to be on. And I've never had someone be like, why are you available to me? Like it just, it doesn't happen because, um, you know, as a business owner, I think we are also responsible for being, kind of a leader, right? And, and being, yeah. and setting the tone for our business, for our clients and for how we want that community to operate. So again, it just goes back to communication, whether you're talking about a Facebook group or you're talking to your spouse about making breakfast, <laughs> you got to communicate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what has been your biggest challenge or the biggest frustration in your entrepreneurial freelance life? Oh, um, <laughs> that's hard. I mean, there, there's a lot, I'll be really honest. And, and it's funny because one of the, what's the saying, um, like more money, more problems or something oh, like that. Yeah. And, uh, not that I'm, you know, sitting here doing this podcast in a bathtub full of hundred dollar bills by any means, <laughs> but um, I'd be impressed if you were. Yeah, that man, I would have, we would have had to do this on video for sure. But no, uh, however, it's, it, it's also more business, more problems, more exposure, more problems. So one of the things that I think I was probably aware of, but maybe didn't anticipate with launching and growing the free mama movement is like the, the backlash for lack of a better word. Um, so I, you know, when you put yourself out there online as kind of a public figure, you know, I run Facebook ads with my face on it. I do, I, I, I have a very large online presence and, um, it happened very quickly and it grew very quickly and it's exciting. And I'm really proud of it because it was not easy. It took, a lot of effort and strength and strategy and time and all of these things that all of us as entrepreneurs understand. And I still remember the first time I got an email where someone pretty much cussed me out and told me that I was taking advantage of people and I was evil and I should be ashamed of myself and all of these horrible, nasty things. Mm -hmm. And it wiped me out for about a day. And I hate to say that now that I let someone else who doesn't even know me have that kind of 
power over me basically to shut down my business for a day. But, and by business, I mean me and my ability to work in it. But um, I think that's been one of the hardest things is really having to grow some thicker skin and rely on the people who do give me the positive feedback, the, the women whose lives who have already changed. I mean, I only launched my, my online program in December. I mean, this essentially is six months old and I have multiple women who have been able to quit their jobs already. Wow. Um, so I, I have to, to stay focused on why I decided to do this. I have to stay focused on the women that I'm serving and not focus on the haters or the people who don't get it or the people, you know, the naysayers. And part of me is like, okay, if I have those people, maybe that's good, right? Because you can't be liked by everybody. So maybe if they're those people, that just means that I'm onto something, right? Mm -hmm. Because they say to be successful in business, you have to be polarizing. So I'm like, all right, clearly I'm striking a nerve with some people. So maybe I've caught on to something. But um, at the end of the day, I think it's really changed the way that I that I relate with other entrepreneurs. I have a whole new level of respect for people who run businesses, um, especially those in the online space or the public eye. I look at it so much differently now that they are real people. I know how much courage it it took them or takes them to do what they're doing um, because that's exactly what I'm doing on a much smaller scale. And, And I hope to grow to that level, but it doesn't come without having to get some some thick skin and that inner courage and that inner strength and willing to have people not like you and willing to fail at things and willing to fail publicly at things. That is some scary stuff. Mm. Um, so I would say that has been kind of the most surprising hard part of what I've gone through <laughs> since launching the free moment. There's a million things I could tell you for technical things. I mean, family things that have happened since since taking this on, but Um, that's been kind of the one that's taken me for a little bit of a whirlwind because yeah, you just, you have to have a lot of confidence and you have to be really rooted in your people that you do serve. Um, and you have to have a support system because it's, it can be tough. It can be tough. Yeah, it can be really tough. And you know, I've experienced the same thing with backlash and haters and that actually just happened for the first time the other week. And my business coach was like, I'm so proud of you. You triggered somebody. Like that's all I've wanted for you. (laughs) Well, exactly. That's why I'm saying I kind of try to remind myself like, okay, like logically speaking, I know this is good, right? I know that just as many people who love Queen Bey, Beyonce, whatever, hate her and look at her, like, look at what she's, you know what I, not that I'm trying to be Beyonce, but you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no, you know, super successful person out there that doesn't have it coming from both sides. And so I do think being polarizing, not being mean, but being polarizing in a, in a intentional way, right? You have to stand for something, which means you don't stand for everything and that's okay. Um, but you've got to be ready for the people who don't agree with you, right? Well, and no matter what people are going to always, someone is going to find a way to criticize you. Absolutely. I think about, so this episode probably won't air for a while, but last weekend was the Royal wedding. And I of course binged on all the pictures of Meghan Markle and there were some horrible comments about her, about her dress was too plain or she didn't wear enough makeup or she didn't smile enough or like, like, oh my gosh, it's this poor woman's wedding. Like, so no matter what, even if you're becoming a princess, like legit princess, <laughs> people are still going to cut you down and find something wrong with you. And more so because of how public she is. And yeah. I think it really just, I also get rooted in the fact that it's about them. It's not about Megan. It's not about Melody. It's not about Lauren. It's about the person who's saying it. It's their own insecurities showing up. It's their own jealousy showing up. And so I just try to reason, you know, when I feel myself starting to take something personally, I just reason with myself that way that it's really not about me. It's that they're unhappy with some aspect of their life. And they're able to sit in the comfort of their own home and hide behind the computer um, yeah. and, and say nasty things while I'm 
being vulnerable and visible and putting myself out there in a way where I can try to help people and, and, and run a business, right? You can do both. You can simultaneously be coming from a place of service while also trying to, you know, make a profit and, and that's okay too. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just been really interesting because again, it's something I think I was always aware of. I've seen it play out, you know, people hate the Kardashians, people love the Kardashians, like whatever it is. And, um, but I just, I don't know that I was really ready for it to hit me even on my small scale. And so that's, it's been a challenge. Um, I also have a business coach who has been so supportive and, um, you know, what we work on is, you know, we are human, we have feelings, right? And it's not about like shutting off your feelings and not caring, you know, if, if somebody says something about you, but it's about like, how quickly can you bounce back from it? And so, like I said, that first time, that first email I got, uh, I, I really shut down for about a full day because it just, it caught me off guard. It was really nasty. Um, it felt very personal, even though this person didn't know me. And now I'll have someone like trash my Facebook ad, which is like costing me money. Right. And like, <laughs> like, Hey, I'm running a business here. Like get off my ad. And now it's like, a, it's like a 30 second reaction. It's like, well, that was annoying. And then I just move on. Right. And so I think that I've grown a lot in that regard. And, uh, that reminds me of something else that I think is, has been another part of this wild ride of entrepreneurship is, is how much as I grow as a business owner, I somehow simultaneously be, find myself growing like twice as fast as a person, like personally. Hmm, and yes. I, that was something else I maybe didn't anticipate. Um, but I, I would say, so I started working with, with my business coach at the end of October uh, or maybe beginning of October. And I, I launched my program in December. And so uh, we're coming up on eight or nine months here. And I, I can truly say I'm not even the same person. You know, obviously I started this business from scratch and now I have this great successful business, um, but I'm not even the same person. And that is really cool. Like that's cool. You know, when you can grow mm -hmm. as a human being, through entrepreneurship. I, I just, I think that's amazing. And it's not easy. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't always feel good, no. but it's cool. No, I honestly think, you know, I've been doing this freelance entrepreneurship life for almost six years. And in the past year, year and a half, I've done more personal development and growing than I have in most of my life. And I feel like who I was even a year ago is so different from who I am now. And it's just taken a lot of personal, like looking inward and doing yeah. the work and just getting rooted in who I am. And I'm still a work in progress. It's never going to be finished. I'm yeah. always learning and growing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, I think it shows how important mindset is to business. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so it goes both ways and it it's, I don't know. I just, uh, like I said, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, it could be a whole 30 minute story. So I won't tell the whole thing, but the abbreviated <laughs> version is that when I was like eight or nine years old, uh, I stole my parents beer from our like soda fridge and <laughs> we lived on a golf course and I sold it to the golfers on a golf course. Like I didn't, I didn't know I was doing something illegal. I think I knew I was like, taking something I couldn't have for my parents, but I didn't know like the alcohol part. I didn't really get, um, I don't think, I don't know, maybe I've blocked some memories, but, but I made like hundreds of dollars one summer before my parents found out. And I was like eight or nine years old. And so I've always had kind of this drive of craving being in, con not in control, but just that freedom and that flexibility and, Yes, the planning, because I do think you have to plan as an entrepreneur. Um, I think you can plan to death. I think at some point you have to take action and try and test and tweak mm. and adapt and, and listen and all of these other things. But I, I just, the parallels between entrepreneurship and then just personal development, I find very fascinating. And I wish it were something that more people were open to experiencing. Not that everybody is, you know, meant to be an entrepreneur, but I, I just, I find it really, really intriguing. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I feel like sometimes uh, my business coaching 
is almost like therapy for me because I'm like, oh, so that insecurity is connected to my relationship with my parents and like <laughs> that shows up in my bit and it's like, what? What's going on? It's, that's so true though. It's so true. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. So I really feel like we're so much alike. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> do you know what your Myers-Briggs is have you taken the Myers Briggs test? Is that the like E? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, no, I know I'm, I'm clearly an extrovert. I'd have to ES something. What are the choices? I don't, there's a lot. Like, I'm an INFJ, <laughs> so it's like intuitive, something, feeling, judging. So, judging means you're like super organized, always have things planned, like but you're also very perceptive and you feel things deeply. And I'm on the line between the I and the E, so the introvert and the extrovert. So how I differentiate that is that how I get energy is by myself. So I, I like to recharge by reading a book, being by myself, whatever. But I love being around other people, but I don't want to be around them 24-7. We have that in different <laughs> yes. No, I'm, I'm very social, which, um, you know, as somebody who works from home, it's interesting. I actually, it was either just this morning or last night, I had a mom in my community asking about that. Um, she's, she's working towards getting ready to quit her job. And, and she said, she's like, what challenges am I going to face once I actually do this in terms of she, and she was referring to like not having colleagues anymore. And uh, I definitely believe, I call it silo syndrome. I think it's totally a thing. Um, it's why I interact with my clients on zoom while I'm still sitting here alone. At least I can, you know, see people's faces and it feels like I'm interacting. Um, and then I think for anybody who, who runs a home-based business or an online business and, and doesn't have you know, people they're interacting with all the time, or maybe the people you're interacting with are four years old and you're not getting the adult stimulation. Mm -hmm. um, you have to find ways to put yourself out there. And so for me, Fem City is definitely one of those communities. Like we talked about um, how, how we, we met each other. Um, and then I will chat it up with neighbors at the park. I ended up joining a mom's group, which I think there's only a handful of us in the group that that work, which, so it's a little bit different. Some of the topics, you know, are a little more geared towards, um, you know, moms who stay home full time, which it's fine. I've found great friendships through there. And I think it's really just about being, having great self-awareness. I think as an entrepreneur, whether you work from home or not, you know, you've got to have self-awareness. What do I need? What do I need? Okay. I need some interaction with people. And then you have to be brave enough to go get it. I need to join a group, networking group. I need to join a community. I need to go next door and talk to my, like whatever it is. And um, I think especially as women, I meet so many people that are afraid to ask for help. I'll be honest. It's not something that I entirely relate to because I've always been the kind of person that I'm like, yep, I just had a baby. You're offering to bring me dinner. What time can you come? Like, you know, I mean, I've always been, I've always been, and maybe that's because I have three kids and our life is just crazy. But, um, I think, I think as women, we have to get comfortable with not being able to do it all and, and asking for the things we need, because I believe that most people have a generous spirit. And when people offer to help, they mean it. And, we have to be willing to accept it, but we also have to be comfortable with asking for it. So if you need that, you know, social interaction or, you know, whatever it is that you need, or if you need that alone time, Melody, like if you need to go recharge, like you have to be comfortable just being like, Hey, whoever I'm with right now, I, you know, I really need to go read a book or, you know, whatever it is. And, yeah. and for some reason, I, I just, I encounter so many women that they, they really do know what they need. They're just having a hard time doing it for themselves. And in that instance, I really do go back to time blocking. I'm a bit of a nerd, but time block a date with yourself, time block an hour to sit and read a book by yourself, time block your mom's group or your networking group or whatever it is that you do so that you can make yourself a priority. Yeah, that is so true. It really is. Because yeah, we as women don't really put ourselves as a priority and we do feel like we need to do it all. That's one thing I keep preaching to people is as what I do is I'm like, 
And so I help business owners with their digital marketing. And so many people, so many women that I work with are like, well, I could do that. Like, I don't need to pay for somebody to do that. And I'm like, well, do you like doing it? Is it taking time out of your life? Is it taking energy out of your life? Could you be focusing on what you really love doing? Instead, you should not have to do it all. You don't need to do it alone. So. Oh, and I find a lot of times, um, and this is kind of one of those transformations that I've had over the last year is a lot of times that has to do with people's relationship with money. Mm, yeah. And, um, so I, I'm pretty frugal just in general, you know, I don't really buy a lot of name brands. I'm not a huge shopper. Um, it's just who I am. So I think it has to do with people's relationship with money and, I can say that because I think I've gone through this like huge transformation over the last year myself with my relationship with money. And by nature, I'm pretty frugal. Um, I'm not a big shopper. I don't really buy like name brand stuff at the grocery store and all that. And I've always been that way. And then in addition to that, you know, for the first however many years of our marriage that came out of necessity, right? Like we were two income working home. We had children in childcare, which is insanely expensive. Um, we had a mortgage, you know, we had all these things going on. And so we've always kind of lived our life that way. And so we had this mentality, my husband and I like just in life, well, if we can do it ourselves, why would we pay someone else to do it? That was just, you know, whether it was, you know, what having a housekeeper, you know, I was on bed rest for a while with, with, our, our third baby. And it's like, well, do we pay someone to clean the house? Well, why would we do that when my husband can do it? Well, yeah, my husband can do it, but he's also working full time and taking care of our kids while I'm laying on the couch. Cause I can't get up. Right. You know? So it's like, we had this issue with letting go of certain things because we, you know, in quotes, we could do it. And this transformation that I've had over this last year has to do with kind of the dynamic between time and money, which I'm sure, Melody, you talk a lot about with your clients. Like, yes, you could do your social media, but imagine if you got that time back in your day to focus on the revenue generating aspects of your business. And for me, I will say I am kind of of the, it, it takes money to make money camp. I know some people, you know, there's kind of two sides of the equation. I think it it sort of depends on what you're trying to do in your business. But I will say from my experience with the Free Mama movement, um, I've had to make some major investments. And that started when I hired my business coach. And it was a car type purchase. I mean, this was, you know, this, it was a major investment. And I felt that confident in my abilities with her guidance to get this done. So when we start to look at money as an investment towards our future and our potential, instead of just the mentality of like, well, I can do it. Well, yeah, I can build a business. I can, I can build an online program. I can, I could do it, but could I have done it in three months essentially? Probably not. You know, would I have had the level of success I would have had? Would I have had quadruple the troubleshooting? Probably. Um, And even now I outsource, you know, I was talking about those hundreds of emails I get. I I outsource to actually a mom who's been through my program and she helps me with certain things now. I ended up hiring a copywriter, not because I can't write my own emails. I can. In fact, some of my freelancing clients pay me to write their emails. I can do it, but I don't want to. It's not something I enjoy as much as the other areas of my business where I could be focusing my time and energy and that can then contribute back to my business to not only help me make more money in my business, but then to be able to outsource more things, right? And so it's interesting how if you can kind of make that shift with how you think about money and how you think about time, and it goes on the family level too, by the way, I totally order my groceries online. It's an extra $5 every single week for them to go shopping for me. But that saves me an hour of walking up and down the halls of a grocery store with three children, which to me (laughs) is not a good time, right? Like I don't want to do that. So, but a year ago, Melody, I would have done that. I would have suffered through that experience because I would have had the mindset of, but I can do it myself. Why would I pay someone else to do it for me? And now I'm like, what else can I outsource? Like, I don't, like, I want to get everything off my plate that I don't have to be doing because it allows us to have time to be doing the other things, whether it's in our business or spending time with your family or going out with friends or taking a trip, like whatever it is that you prioritize. I'm just, it takes a lot of, 
that kind of mindset work that we talked about earlier to change the way that you think about doing some of these things. And it's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. You've got to get really comfortable with it. Well, and I also had to start kind of practicing what I was preaching. Like I was like, you should invest in me and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I'm not making investments in myself. Like once I invested in a coach, invested in VAs, all that, I felt like, okay, now I know that fear that these people are speaking of, but I also know they always come, it always comes back to me tenfold because I have that time back. I have that creative energy. I'm only working in my zone of genius and you know, it's worth it in the long run, but you kind of have to get over that hump of being freaked out. Yep. And I will say nothing lights a fire like a major investment. Yep. When I signed that contract with my business coach, it was go time because we did not have that money just like sitting in a savings account with a line next to it that said business coach. Like it, it was a major risk, quite frankly. And one that, that like I kind of said it, you know, my husband and I had some words about it. He was not at the same place where I was, Um, (laughs) but I, you know, it was kind of, you know, I kind of talk about, spoke about my, my miscarriage and hearing this voice in my head of like, what are you going to do next? This was almost like a feeling in my gut. Like it was that gut feeling of like, you're ready. It's time. This is right. This is the person to help you. Like it's, it's go time. You need to do this. And that's really hard to explain to another human being who is not sharing your gut. Like my husband was like, I hear you, but how are we going to pay for this? Nothing lights a fire like your spouse looking at you and looking at your bank account and going, when is this going to work? Like I've never worked so hard in my life to, to make it work. Right. And it did, it did work out. And again, we could talk for six months about all the ups and downs of it. But, and again, it it was not easy. It took a lot, but it did work out. And and so I do, I encourage anybody who's considering investing in a coach or a mentor or just outsourcing help. I really ask you to dig deep and figure out what's holding you back because those are some of the best decisions I've ever made, not just in my business, but in my life. Yep. Absolutely agree. 100%. So as we wrap up, what would be your one piece of advice? I know it's hard for, for a woman listening who's considering starting her own business or who's just gotten started. Oh man, I would say, well, uh, definitely consider finding a mentor or a coach. So we'll just, we'll go back to what we were just talking about. I really kind of going back to being a millennial and thinking I had to be special and have this unique, you know, shark tank business idea. I also thought that I had to figure it out by myself. I don't know that I was, I, I don't know that I was telling myself that, but for some reason, that's how I was operating, right? And you will struggle. And, and you may be able to figure it out, by the way. You might. You probably will. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a smart cookie. You probably will figure it out. But it's going to be hard, and it's going to take you longer, and you are not going to have the support, support you need when you get to those big things like haters talking smack about you online. That doesn't feel good. You need people to turn to. You know, when you invest a bunch of money in a Facebook ad and it doesn't work out, when you have a client from hell who you're trying, you you don't know what to do, when you maybe have to fire someone for the first time, like all of those are very hard things that if I didn't have somebody who had already walked in that same spot, by the way. So when you look for a coach or a mentor, my advice would be, to look for somebody who's walked where you want to walk. They need to have been through those things, in my opinion, to coach you effectively. Um, and so that, that would be one thing. Don't try to do it alone. Get an accountability partner, get a mentor, get a coach, get a somebody. You don't have to pay for it. Although if you do, like I said, you'll get that fire lit under your tail if you're needing some extra motivation, but, but get somebody, don't do it alone. The other thing I will say is, get uncomfortable. And I know I use that word already, but I cannot express to you if you are playing it safe, if you are hiding behind your computer and you are working on a website and a logo and your branding and it's so pretty, but you are not having conversations with people and you are not putting yourself out there and, and, you know, meeting with prospective clients and you are not 
going out and speaking or whatever it is that you need to do to get in front of running Facebook ad. I, here, I'll be really frank with you. My first two months of running Facebook ads to cold traffic, I put on a credit card. Yeah. I had no money to do it, but I believed in myself that much that I knew I was going to figure it out and pay it, pay it off. And I have no debt today, by the way. Yay. Um, good job. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and that includes the business coach. Finally, that took a while, but yeah. So, so it, you, you need to be really rooted in what you're doing. You've got to dig deep and get that self-confidence, but then you've got to get uncomfortable. If you are playing it safe, you are not trying hard enough. I'm sorry to say it, but if you are playing safe, you are not trying hard enough. So that would be my advice. Just get ready to get uncomfortable. Um, and then it will get easier. I will also say on a more encouraging note, it gets <laughs> easier, right? Like when you do that first Facebook live, when you do maybe those first 30 Facebook lives, you might feel like you are actually going to pee your pants. And if you've had three kids like me, you might actually pee your pants. <laughs> it, then it gets easier, right? Now I don't even think twice when I go in and talk to my community because I'm just... I know them. You know what I mean? It just, it's natural for me to, to go in and serve them. So I just, if, if I could give you any advice, it would be please, please, please get uncomfortable, get uncomfortable, do the hard stuff because that is what is going to make you successful. I guarantee Absolutely. it. Wow. Yeah, that is also true. I have nothing to add because that is right <laughs> on. Right on. <laughs> so if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how can they find you online? Yeah. So I, I spend most of my time on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Lauren Golden, Free Mama, or you can find me at thefreemamamovement.com to learn all about um, the movement. Awesome. Well, this has been such a delight and I'm so glad I was able to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.